0: Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the managing director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast. Each week, we'll be talking about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools, and to empower parents. In this episode, I'm discussing trauma and working with emotions, and I'm discussing this with one of my, my regular guests, Alison Knowles. Before we get started, have you heard of the Virtual Send Conference? This is a conference we here at B-Squared started running in 2019 that makes CPD around SEND more affordable, easy to access, and allows you to access and deliver CPD to the whole school around SEND. It runs every year over the internet, but you can watch the videos whenever you need to as they are always available on demand. For more information, visit www.trainingforeducation.com. And at the end of the episode i'll be giving you a discount code so you can save some money when you purchase access let's get on with the podcast in this week's show we are discussing trauma and how we can work with the emotions joining me today is Alison knowles allison is the creator of the ollie model the author of the series of Ollie and his superpower books, trainer of Ollie Coaches, and an emotional therapist. Welcome to the show, Alison.
1: Thank you very much. Nice to be here.
0: As a definition, trauma can be described as going through very stressful, frightening, or distressing events. When we talk about emotional or psychological trauma, it could be a situation or event we find traumatic or how we are affected by our own experiences.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's a, that's a good... Umbrella description of it, because I think that the starting point, certainly from my perception is everything and the way that my mind works, the way that our model works is what trauma means for one thing, for one person, it doesn't necessarily mean for another. and I think one of the biggest dangers in any communication, whether it's as a therapist, as a parent, as a carer, is to project your interpretation onto anything. So my starting point is always what does it mean to you?
2: Yes. And I suppose the thing is a traumatic event. You can't say X is a traumatic event
0: because it depends on your perspective and your experiences. So you can't even say, well, that shouldn't. You can't say, well, that shouldn't affect you because I've done through that and it was fine. That's very different. It's. Your experiences, everything you've gone through. So you going through something, me going through the exact same thing. Very different reactions could be traumatic to you, or could be traumatic for me. You be going, who cares? It, it's it's very much it's what that mean, event means to you. So it is a very personal thing, isn't it? it?
1: it is, and I mean, you know, we could all argue that there are that there are certain experiences we could name that we would all probably say well that was actually quite traumatic and we can all relate to the fact that was traumatic but you're absolutely right and and again within our model and our whole philosophy behind our model is i would never sit here if you'd have come to me as a client and said look you know i have ptsd because of this there's no way i'm going to sit here and laugh or there's no way i'm going to say seriously that bothered you one because that's that's not the way to behave and i'm contaminating because even in that statement one This is something really big and personal to you, and it matters. I've just dismissed it out of hand because I don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not real and affecting you in in, in a myriad of ways. And my job as a therapist is just to say, okay, what exactly does that mean for you? How does that make you feel or think? Because not every, you know, we presume the standard. How do you feel about that? I hate it when people say that. How do you feel about that? Well, feelings isn't necessarily my go-to. I might have a conversation in my head about it, or I might have to go and look at a picture in my mind about it. So we all do it differently. So, you know, one of the things we we teach our guys, and hopefully all therapists do, is the use of clean language. So, for example, if you said to me, you know, I've been through this very traumatic event, and whenever I think about it, I get these pictures in my mind. I'm not going to suddenly say, "And how does that make you feel?" Because at no point have you mentioned the word feeling. So from the very, very off in any conversation, and, and you know we're talking specifically trauma here, it's keeping the room clean, not contaminating with my thoughts, my feelings, or how my model of the world works and projecting that onto you. So point one, and it's so, so important, whether you're a therapist, you're a parent, you're a carer, just sit back and go, okay, this is interesting. This is like learning a whole new language or going to a country and learning, I don't know anything about the rules, the customs. If I open my mouth, or I say something without listening and watching and learning, I could get it very wrong here. And the moment I get it very wrong, I've broken the rapport and the trust that you need to be able to have the conversation that you need to have. So it's really, really important that I don't make any judgments on based on my past experiences or a generalization. I literally just say, okay. And what exactly does that mean for you?
0: Often people will say, okay, think of some really traumatic everyone will have and you might say losing a parent is always traumatic everyone a lot of people say oh you pet oh it must be horrible it's not always and that sounds heartless does I get that but my grandmother had dementia and she lived at home we had carers going and all that lot but she kept to her routine but you'd go up there and you'd have a conversation with her and 20 minutes later the conversation would start again and you're there for an hour and I've had the same conversation three times and that was the traumatic part for me. She's in the room with me. She's talking to me.
1: What specifically made that traumatic for you?
0: She felt like she wasn't my grandma. Thanks for the counselling free counselling session, Ali. Um, because I
1: literally going, I want to tell and you what, this. What, I, want, I
0: want to see how you what react. I actually,
1: what, what I was actually trying to project there was that rather than just going, oh, yeah, that happened to my grandma. Oh, that must be horrible because that's not clean language and that's me projecting my model of the world. But by just saying what specifically I'm inviting you to have that experience. I'm giving you that safe space to actually voice what's going on without judgment.
0: Yes. And it was at that moment when I had that conversation, I literally went, my grandma's not really here. It's, there's a body, there's a person who's doing her daily routine, but, Here's a picture of my, your granddaughter, your great-granddaughter. And she was like, who's that? And what I, want, I wanted is to go, oh, and have that conversation. It was just she wasn't there. And that was really – and I you, still went and see her. She lived in Manchester. I live. in so – but when I was up to see schools, I'd go see her. And I had lots of nostalgia going to this house, but opening that door, it wasn't the same.
1: So my question then would be, and I, w- I certainly wouldn't do this in the first conversation with you, but, <laughs> but, but drilling down where I'd be going with this. And, and this is this is the conversation I'd like to have about trauma and how to deal with it is my take might be that the traumatic part of that was watching someone you care for not be in the room anymore. Yep. But by drilling down and asking questions and making them kind of what, how questions without making it an interrogation, I'd get to the point that, and I don't know, I'm just presuming here because obviously we're not going to do a full live counseling session, but it would be. I have lost her, I can't share this, I'm a, I'm a man now, I have a family, I wanted to, I can't share this experience with her. And there'll be a myriad of emotions underneath and behind yeah. the very obvious one of your grandma having dementia that are really causing the trauma for
2: you. Yes.
1: And I think what goes array with helping with trauma, some of the times, in some therapies, not all, there's some really good therapies out there um, specifically for trauma, is what i call getting lost in story so you must be really upset right now because your grandma has alzheimer's or dementia and if i if i just go with that and i make that presumption i've gone off over to the left yes when i'm working with a client and this is how i train my therapist i i I love fishing that's that's my go-to I'm quite antisocial. I can just sit there all day, and nobody talks to me.
0: <laughs> I'm never good. I'm never a point at fishing, but okay, we'll go there.
1: Yeah, we don't, I don't have anything on the line. I have no intentions of catching anything <laughs> for vegans and people out there. I just seriously, if you seriously, it's a funny thing. If you've got a rod in your hand, people leave you alone. It's the strangest thing. I reckon I could go out in the front garden and do it with no pond, and people would leave me alone.
0: I'd call you so, a gnome, or, but yeah.
1: But the the thing is, what what we do is, and again, it's so so important that we don't project yeah. as therapists, parents, carers. Our model of the world, our everything we've learned, everything we believe to be true, onto somebody else because that really limits the conversation, and, and and you'll stay stuck in the story. So I say this thing about we'll put loads of fishing rods out. So my first fishing rod is dementia or Alzheimer's, whichever it was. Forgive me. Um, that's one fishing rod that could yep. be what's really upsetting Dale at the moment. But then by asking questions, I might have another fishing rod. Was it? um Your granddaughter will never have the experience you had with grandma. Yeah. Will it be and I just put all these rods out and I test them till we get to the one that's really causing the emotional reaction to the situation, rather than just presume that it's the obvious one. And this my grandma, yeah, that but it was a year or so later, might be two
2: years later, she had a fall, walking to the shop, she fell over, bumped her head, never regained consciousness and died. There was a sense of relief because my grandma had left
0: earlier. And
1: how did that sense of relief make you feel? It was it was, it was really
0: it's confusing because you're supposed to feel upset when someone's died, but I just felt like, oh, she because can again I try and work out how do you feel if you have dementia because you see on TV there's anger, there's confusion, things like that. So I don't know how she felt, but I just felt, oh, she's resting. She's a, it's she's no longer struggling. Um, things like that. And that's how I felt kind of thing. It was like, but I also felt my mum It's over for my mum. My mum's not having to worry about her constantly. There was a whole argument. Of, should she go in a the home? There was a whole argument where people fell out because she should be in a home. She'd be alive longer. But if she would be in a home, she wouldn't be grandma because she would lost her sense of who she was because she wasn't doing a daily routine. And there was a whole argument around what that. Was
1: the, what was the hardest thing for you to deal with throughout that? If there was one emotion in the midst of all that, when you think about all of that and all these decisions, what was the hardest of the, of the biggest and this is emotion a bit, that comes
0: to mind? I like analysing myself. The hardest emotion through all of this was when we went up to Manchester because my granddad had died a number of years earlier, so we were clearing out their house. And I had learnt all about the history of this house. And my mum would go, are there any memories of grandma, anything you'd like to have so you could remember? You know, yeah, there's yeah, certain yeah. memories. And yeah. I remember going up and hearing the clock, the ticking clock. And we could sit there in silence and that clock, oh, it just felt lovely. And um, they're northern, so they have the drink called Vimto, which we didn't have down south back then. So I only got Vimto when I went to my grandparents and we'd got a bottle and we'd take it home. So Vimto was a big thing. And I always had it in the same mug. And I, literally, there's certain things I did, always brought back memories. And I was
2: like, I want, I want one of these things. it would already been taken by my cousins before my grandma had actually died and that was the really horrible bit so i'd lost my grandma years ago when she was alive but i never had
0: an item i could hold to make me think of my grandma because all the stuff that brought back it's already I, gone.
1: Can't, I can't imagine what that's like but it's it not was, the normal was, someone really dying lucky. and where the trauma sits. Well, when, when you were talking about that, something really lovely happened. When you talked about the clock and it ticking, your eyes kind of went off. I could see you almost visualise. Oh, what did that clock look like?
0: Oh, it's one of the small ones on the wall. There's a picture of a kangaroo because my parents lived in <laughs> Grandparents lived in Australia. I can Brilliant. literally, I can really, I'm lucky. I can visualise. I can see the train line. I can see my grandma standing there. That lovely chuckle grannies do when you tell them a story, and they just look. I get all of that back and you know, that know, connection would have been amazing
1: many years ago um i i moved house and i same thing i'd lost my father and for whatever reason i had his cloth cap and it got lost in the move and i was absolutely devastated because that's it you know i can get another cloth cap but that was my dad's cloth cap and i thought that's it it's gone forever and then i found out that a family member had actually taken it and it was like no it's been taken from me. it's gone forever but then I realized something, and this is me, and I don't know if it, you can relate to this, but I realized that just as you just did when you were talking about that clock on the wall with the kangaroo and that certain noise that it made yeah. that was specific to your grandma because it was her clock, all I've got to do is talk to you about it now, and I can see that cap, and I can smell. My dad used to smoke certain tobacco, and I could smell it when I think about that cap. And something really lovely happened when I realized I could do that. I realized they haven't actually taken anything from me because that thing that connected me to him. Yeah. Never be taken from me.
0: No, and that's the thing: is people say oh, they always live on, and I have not it. And I actually, um, with my grandma, I'd be just like Vimto. Yeah. Just certain things will take me back to that house.
3: What
1: a lovely thing! So, it, I mean, now if you have a glass of Vimto now, do you, are you back there? Is
0: yeah, it? I'm back in my childhood. And that's the thing. What a lovely thing! So, and this is probably the thing you talk about trauma and emotions. Is where if you listen, if I said my grandma died, if I started there. You might go, oh, you must have felt horrible. It's like, no, I was actually relieved. That would have been really odd. And you'd be going, well, that's a bit screwed up. You, uh, there's something wrong with you. You should have been. To... There's what you're supposed to feel at these times. And went to the funeral. And, and again, another thing which I didn't like about the funeral, it wasn't personal. I went to hear about my grandma. And the person delivering was the person from the. Um, and it sounds like I'm going to rate the funeral because I've been to so many, and I've got my favourite TripAdvisor funeral list. It's not like that, but a funeral is you're saying goodbye to someone. I've been to a couple, and they're very personal, and you should feel that connection with that person, however little you known them. So I knew someone for a year and a half, went to their funeral, learned all about him about amazing. But this was just really weird. It was I wasn't connected. They're talking. I literally could be talking about anyone. It wasn't my grandma, and it was really odd. It wasn't even like I heard about her
1: life before. It was just odd, and again, I felt I was that was taken away from me. And wouldn't it have been amazing if we'd have had that conversation just before then? Because I might have said to you, when you're sat there, regardless of how the funeral goes, because it's got to cater for everybody, and it might not be exactly what you need. But would not it be lovely if we sat there, and whatever's going on? You can almost blank that out because all you can hear is that clock and taste of impromptu.
0: Yes, that nice.
1: because
0: it? my wife's dad, he died not long ago. And happy podcast we're talking about. here.
1: Now, what um, we're actually doing is hopefully demonstrating beautifully at your cost. So thank you for this. That's fine. Um, that at no point have I honed in on the big obvious event. What I've done by asking you questions is get you to home in on what's really hurting you about that and what's really causing you the trauma from that. But then what I'm also doing is taking something that was very positive from it and spinning it back around to give you something back to almost lay over that sense of loss that something was taken from you and that the funeral wasn't the way it was by now placing something on top of it Yeah. so what we're actually doing here is how i would deal with trauma not dismissing it in any way
0: but i've obviously i volunteered a lot of information but you would have had to go fishing for some of that and realize. There's not generally just one event of someone dying.
1: But it's quite easy to go fishing just from choice of clean language. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. You, 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 you opened up. We have the rapport there. And yeah. That was lovely. But I think, that, I think that's, that's point one with all trauma. First off, it's really important. I mean, obviously, I'm taking this from a therapist perspective, but I'm also, you know, I have a life when I'm not a therapist. Um, <laughs> it's called hashtag Ali Unsupervised. But, you know, stuff happens in my world too and and for my friends when i'm not in therapy mode and it's it's really really important regardless of who you are is and it's so hard to do but to to not just put your model of the world on it or to contaminate what's going on with your view your thoughts your history because yes. at that point you're you're not being the best you can be for the person in front of you that obviously needs someone to understand so yes. that they can work through and understand and so if you're in a therapy point, you can move it forward. And the, and the thing, I, I always say this, you know, and I'm not being dismissive at all. I, I, I work with loads of trauma, um, everything, you name it. I think I probably work with it now. There's not, but it's not fair to say there's nothing that shocks me because it does. I'm human um, and therapists aren't supposed to acquire or react. Believe me, there are times when I leave my therapy room and, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this. i will go and have a double brandy because I'm human. Yeah. yeah. And I can't believe someone's just got through that. But in that moment, if we go back to, I think I mentioned before, my scenario of how I train people. I'm the pilot. You're the co-pilot. If I fall apart in that room, I'm the pilot. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's do it, show it the other way. The, the, the person with the trauma that's come to see me, they're the pilot. They're steering the plane. Yeah. Yep. If they fall apart, and they will, and they have every right to. If mm-hmm. I've made the environment safe and clean enough for them, great. I take over flying the plane. If I fall apart as well in that situation, the plane crashes. So it's really important that I don't in yep. that scenario but i'm human so when i get off the plane believe me i'm having a double branding. yes we've landed we're safe it's good i can imagine but the thing with with trauma is and and my approach to it is that whatever whatever you've been through i can't begin to understand it i haven't lived through it so i'm not even gonna go
2: there. um i don't particularly agree personal opinion with so talk me through,
1: you know, you were abused when you were 12. What exactly happened? It's good to talk about that. Do you know, for some people it is. They need to verbalize it. But I I try to avoid that, unless a client wants to. But I'll never encourage them to. And the reason that I don't is because our brain's an interesting thing. I'll give you an example. A lady came to see me, and she had been abused when she was about 3 or 4. She's in her 30s now. And it affected her all of her life. It had taken that long for her to come and find someone and talk about it. And the way that it was affecting her now um was that she didn't trust so she couldn't hold relationships down and a myriad of other things it was affecting her eating behaviors all this sort of stuff um and she said she told me what had happened she said she'd been abused she didn't go into too much detail and i didn't ask because she wanted to tell me and she said and i just said can i can i just stop you I said what's your overriding emotion right now when you think about maybe what happened and subsequently how it's affected your life till now. And she said, I'm angry. I'm really, really angry. Now my instinct was, I would be too. Damn it, you should be shot. Thank God I didn't. I said, Okay. And what specifically is that anger about? And she said, Why on earth did my phone childline? Why didn't I tell mum? I'm really angry with myself. Now what she was doing was looking back at an event, she was four or five, but through her 30-year-old eyes.
0: And trying to go, well, I should have done this, I should have done this, I should have done this, but you don't and, know and any of that. And the way
1: that we released an awful lot of that pain for her was to get her to realise that she was four. And at four, that wasn't something she could possibly have done. No. And that she wasn't a bad kid, she didn't encourage it in any way, she was four. Yeah. Deal with it. And And that, that was one example. But, the thing is that that's what our brain does. Any memory that you have, every time you bring it back up, whether it's a positive one or a negative one, you will change it because you're looking at it through your eyes with your experience and your knowledge of the you now that you didn't have. Let's talk about our teenagers. Some of it was good. Some of the stuff we did, my God, what was I thinking? I was just about
0: to say some trauma, there's certain traumas, sexual and all that lot, oh. horrible,
2: disgusting, blah, blah, blah. But some trauma is because it's unexpected. Okay. What specifically?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's almost like if you knew something was going to happen, you psychologically prepare for it. In some ways, you literally almost put some barriers up. Yeah. But sometimes you just, you think you're in a safe place. Yeah. And it happens. Yep. Yeah. And that, it almost, it's like, well, I should have been safe. I should, it was like, it was no, whereas, I don't, I just, I, it's real, I, I'm, I don't know, I'm very lucky. I've not had huge amounts of trauma. So I, I sit there and I watch programs. I hear stories and all I can do is try and work out. And that's the thing, I can never put myself in that situation. And people just say, oh, it must've been horrible. It's like, I would never say that because I could never fathom how that felt. And i'm not going to try and say oh it I, I literally i could never comprehend the, how that the, felt that's the
1: point none, none of us could and and as we, i think we just demonstrated that the risk is that we focus in on the wrong aspect of what's actually bothering you now um and again when i'm working with trauma i don't focus on the actual event and the reason i don't is one because what I've just said about memories, when you bring it back up, you're looking at it through all different eyes. So you're not actually looking at the real event and you're probably beating yourself up more. Yeah. Um, and also because we can't time travel. So if I spend months and months of you going over that event, bringing it back up, I can't change what happened. Is there any benefit to it? Sometimes you can see a bigger picture. So in a traumatic situation, you kind of go into what I call uh, sniper zone. You only see exactly that. And you don't see what's going on outside. Sometimes that's quite useful and can alleviate the emotion attached to it. But the truth is, we can't change what happened. What we can work on is the emotion you've attached to it, because that's the thing that's affecting you now, not the event. So if we go back to the lady I was talking about, the reason that she had trouble with relationships now and her eating had gone out the window was not because this guy was still abusing her; he's long gone. But because of the emotion she detached. Yeah. And the meaning she detached, and the belief she detached to that event. Yeah. And thinking about it, looking through her older eyes through the years. And so what I needed to work on was the emotions and the beliefs she detached to it, not the event itself. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, because there's it, a thing that um you think you remember things. I think it's called something called the Nelson Mandela effect. Have you heard about that? No. It's lots of people believe something happened. That's how their memory, but actually something completely different happened. So your, your memory can lie to you, and in the same way, her. Was, I should have done this, is because she's kind of in a four or five year old body as a thirty year old. So Shit. her memory's lying to her, and I think if you did go back, and were able to go almost like let's uh, let's have some commentary on the situation and watch it from this angle, what you'd probably end up is you'd see going, oh, well, I should have done something there. I could have prevented it there, which would make it even worse. But what you also might find out is other people could have stepped in.
1: And then there's a whole well why didn't they and it, so it's difficult i mean there's there's loads of <coughs> therapies that are really really good at, at helping um with past events and we're specifically talking trauma well you know as i've said trauma means different things to different people it could be i don't know your wife dying your, your love of your life when you're 17 leaving that's quite traumatic it's it has different levels of connotations to each of us and we can't dismiss it because well, you know, post-traumatic stress is coming back from a war-torn situation, probably not the person that you were. You know, and that's what we, we – But that's I, not the case. It's a different thing for everybody.
0: Shall I give you a, an example of my nephew has PTSD. Mm-hmm. He's still not able to access CAMS's
2: therapy, okay? So where did he get this? He got this in a year eight music lesson. Must be some really horrible – must be a big oh – you yeah. So what happened was
0: 30-second composition. You've got to create a 30-second composition. Go. You've got 30 seconds. Create something on your little xylophone. He's neurodiverse, not quite sure. Asked his friends. They've got, well, I've got 30 seconds. So I haven't got time to explain it to you. I've got to do it. So he sat there and didn't do anything. So she goes, Red gets to him. He's like, well, I don't know how. I, I, I don't trust you enough to say. I have no idea what you're about. I haven't done it. So he just sat there silently.
2: So she shouted at him he curled up into a ball on his chair. Her solution was to drag him out of the room
0: on his chair while he's curled up in a ball, and in the corridor,
2: shout at him right in his face while he's curled up in a ball. The Senko came along, told her she did the right thing. Alison doesn't have to say anything. I can see it from her face. Um,
0: <laughs> and. Um, that was basically the very start of the end for him in that school. And the whole trust and everything, and it got raised as a safeguarding incident. And, uh, and that was, and is, very traumatic for him, and is mean he hasn't been in school now for around four years. And you might say, there's various things, questions I have about that. How do you shout at someone curled up in a ball? How do you not going, oh, that's not right. There's a whole load of things on there. But surely if you saw anyone curled up in a ball, you just sit there and go, that's not, they're not in a good place. I should be support. So loads of things. And that has caused him because he was, again, this would go back to that so that surprise thing, the unexpected.
2: He was in a school. That's quite a safe place. He's with a teacher. And that happened to him.
1: When I was, uh, I don't know, I must have been seven or eight i have i have i'm neurodiverse who isn't it we all are we all are um, but i i can't read and write my spelling's particularly appalling you have to be alan tyrin to read anything for me. <laughs> but all of my life um i've had this chip on my shoulder that i'm not smart enough i'm not good enough i'll never achieve anything um everyone's better than me and it has really affected whether or not i went left or right i'm decision making all the way through my life and There's some lovely techniques, and one of them is a thing called timeline therapy. And basically, the the concept is that uh, a a therapist guides you back, not to an event, but an emotion. Yeah. So the emotion that I feel is not good enough. Yeah. And by using that emotion of not good enough, they're able to guide me back. We had to do lots of stops along Mm. the way. I'm nearly fifty now, so this was quite a long session. But we got back to this one session, and clear as day. I could see myself in my school, and uh, I can remember the teacher's name and exactly what she was wearing. I could smell her perfume. I can hear her accent. And it was a spelling test day, and not something I could do. And because I spelt the word different wrong, she she asked, she made a stand up and spell. I got it wrong. And the kids laughed because I got it badly wrong. She made me move to the front of the classroom. We had chalkboards back then. And write the word "different" up on the board a hundred times in front of everybody. Well, after about ten times, even with dyslexia, I can copy pat, so I got the word right. But then something bloody-minded kicked in, so I wrote it. But those first ten stood up there in front of everyone, them laughing, and this teacher. And my memories, she was laughing. Hopefully, she wasn't. It wouldn't surprise me. I felt so humiliated. And that affected my whole school life. And it affected me right up until about 10, 15 years ago when I actually realized that it's a gift. And I actually realized that actually by going back to that younger me in that classroom, I just stood next to the younger me and the therapist guided me and said, what's going on? And I explained what was going on. And she said, and if you could talk to the younger you right now up on the board, what would you tell her to do? And I said, I'd tell her to write something really rude. <laughs> But by doing that, I changed the emotion of the event straight away. And she said, what does she need to know that by knowing will allow her to move forward in a different way to the way you have? And my older self was able to say to my younger self, this woman is out of order. You're going to grow up, Ali, and you're going to be working with people with additional needs, learning disabilities, and God knows what else because of this woman. So she's actually doing you a favor right now, even if it doesn't feel it. This is not you failing. You can't read and write, but you're brilliant at other stuff. This is her failing, and the children are just idiots, and they're just children, and that's what children do. And by having that conversation with myself, I was able to release the emotion of not being good enough so that I could move on.
0: If this was a Marvel film, that would be your origin story, which showed you how the Super Alley was created. (laughs) And you could say, if it wasn't for that person being absolutely horrible to you... You wouldn't have done all the amazing things, and that's thing you got. You got to turn it and, around. And,
1: and you know that that that's positive psychology, isn't it? I mean, you see these amazing athletes that, um, not not necessarily because they've been in our armed forces; or other reasons that they're, you know, they are disabled for one way or another. You know, that's huge. And and they they have the resilience to actually say, okay, I can't do this, but I can do that. That those guys, they're inspirational. Not everybody can do that. No. But I, again, my my post-traumatic stress disorder which was what it was diagnosed as i blamed completely on this idiot teacher but i realized what it was was that it created a sense of lack of self-worth and that lack of self-worth had then made every decision for me up until a few years ago and all i'd done is stayed stuck in my loop of my story that i wasn't good enough which just made that one event have all these effects over me over the years Yep. So I can't go back and change what happened but what I can change is my understanding and my belief about me and who I am. Because that's what's really causing me the problem was really causing me the problem. Not what she did. That started it. But it was me taking responsibility that from that point yep. I chose to believe what I wanted to believe. Now when we're young we do, don't we? We look to our peers. So it's really important parenting in those young years when we are we're so vulnerable to other people's thoughts and opinions and what they say and think about us. That can be very so, traumatic.
0: Interesting. You said thoughts and opinions. Yeah. What I actually heard with your slides was thoughts, thoughts. and opinion. There you go. And that's the thing is I, I don't. that a
1: Freudian slip?
0: It was a Freudian slip. <laughs> but that's the thing is I, I, I didn't have anything like that, but I have a number of really negative memories throughout my secondary school. Some are linked to I wasn't living up to my sisters' type thing. I was the third of the runt, I wear it. But and the things so you have those things which are from yeah. your parents, but also from the teachers. So um, you have that, but also, yeah, I have situations where I was different, um, and um, and I think I, I'd get, I'm I, again a bit of a photogenic, neurodiverse. I'd get the top grades. I do like it was this was it was a get five one to five and i'd get fives for attainment but i'd get two for efforts
2: i'm going i did everything you gave me what more do i need to do yeah but it's your ethics wrong i'm 11 and i got times where i got i got called arrogant and I, looking back i was probably a pain in the butt
0: but again what, like what you said it's more about as i look back and i get older and slightly wiser but not really wiser um it tells me more about them than me yeah so that teacher shouting at my nephew he'd done nothing wrong that was about the pressures being put on by head teachers local authorities Ofsted her home life and it coming out when it shouldn't have that's what it tells but my nephew that has hugely affected my nephew and teachers who did things to me when I was young or made me feel things. Yeah. I might've been the greatest student, but it shouldn't have happened.
2: It is. It
1: is all about our emotions and our beliefs. Now that, that might sound very simplistic. If for example, we're not talking about a teacher giving you a hard time at school, but we are talking about you being in a serious accident, maybe losing a limb, maybe losing a loved one. um, how, how do you get over that because if, if i'm my thinking on this is well we're not going to talk about the event because that doesn't have a purpose but i've lost my leg in this car crash or i've lost my leg treading on a iod or in iran iraq wherever that that you know i've had people say well actually ellie i think that's a little bit different well it's very very different because it's very different for that individual So everything's different. And I might come across dismissive. I most seriously do not mean to be, and I am not. But the principle is the same. Unfortunately, I can't travel back in time and stop that car crash happening. What I can do is help you look at how it's affected you. Yes, okay, you've lost your leg. I can see that's how it's affected you. The loss of the leg is limiting you in lots of ways. I get that. I can't actually do much about that either because no. I'm, I'm not a surgeon. I don't. I... But fundamentally, what I find with the majority of people, regardless of what their PTSD is, and it can be anything and majorly important to them and the worst thing in the world for them, and that I totally respect, is I can change the emotion and the beliefs you have about you and your world and your possibilities. I can help you do that. I can't do it for you. No. But I can help you look at it. i just say, back to
0: you, you had two things. Where two people lost their legs. One was in a war, standing on the IED. They're in the armed forces. One was just going to see their grand or their husband or their wife. Neither had planned. Neither had planned. You could kind of say, well, the army, you kind of got to expect here. It. It's that. But you, but you don't. They're completely different reasons. I
1: played rugby for years. Yes. Okay. And, and the number of times that I came off the pitch and I thought, oh, well, that was lucky. And then one day, a dear friend of mine didn't come off the pitch. Neck injury like we get all day, every yep. day. Um, but they broke the neck and they were disabled all the way down. No way I could have known that. No. No way they could have known that. So do you stop living? You don't. And so I, I don't, you know, no. losing a leg because you're in the armed services, you should expect that. I'm not so sure about not that. Not
0: expecting it, but it's kind of, what I mean is you More see. <laughs> More like
1: I know, I know where you're going with. Know, it, you know, it's, it's
0: really. I can. I'm not always the best with my words, so no, if no, I have no, offended I someone, or you've got Ugh. what, what I kind of mean is, is you see, and again, I, I, I don't have experience of this. Some things through my nephews and my children, and some of my I have some, but most of it, I'm going to get through hearing stories through TV, and they're always going to give me the shiny version. But you hear the um. Oh, what the games? Um, the Princes are in charge. Victus. The Victus games. You see the, these amazing people who've lost both legs, and I'm literally going, I've got no excuse. Look at what they've achieved. And they are really mentally strong, and they're going for it. And i that's what I'm trying to say. But I suppose you're going into that, you're mentally strong. You, you think you're prepared to lose a leg, but you're probably definitely not. Most, that, most of
1: the guys that I know that are in the services, that is their life, that is their identity. When they're not in the services anymore, they've lost more than the leg. Yes, and Don't that's me. the thing. It's not the leg, the leg that's gone. The leg they can cope with.
0: Yeah, it's the identity. Yeah. But I think if you're literally going out to see your, uh, going out for a Sunday lunch and you get hit and your legs, it's the again the this shouldn't have happened type thing. There was no reason. for it. It's very different emotions. As you said, it's not less. It's is it? different.
1: Is it? and and again I just you know no it's a fair comment but I, I just throw that back because I I don't know I don't know if the guy that loses his leg in the rack or the person in the car crash I don't know that they feel differently and I don't know the level no the I say I wouldn't problems. say
0: it's a different level uh, what I mean is there's probably different emotions going on
1: I guess I guess my 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 thing is that you know, and I know loads of therapists will disagree with me and they think you should talk through it and talk through it and talk through it. If I have a client and they want to talk through it and they want to tell me exactly what I will sit and listen, because sometimes they say it out loud. Maybe it's the first time they could because, you know, you can't actually say to your dad who's really proud you're in the army that, no, I was really bloody scared, Dad. You can't say that, you no. know, because you're going to put that fear on him or I'm really scared for my future because that's going to put fear on Mum. So sometimes you can't talk, so you need that safe space. So you create that safe space. but. You get to the point where if they've come to see a therapist rather than a surgeon or a doctor or someone that could do something about their their disability, whatever that is, that says to me straight away that they want to move forward. Yep. And it comes to a point and, and it can sometimes take weeks. Sometimes it can take a little bit longer. Sometimes it happens quite quickly. Everyone's individual where I will listen if that's what they need to do and I will look i can't change the past i can change how it's affecting you now and by using the questions that we started this this session with i'll begin to drill down to find out what the real driver is here yeah guilt shame
0: whatever it is it might be again
2: speculating stepped on an iud is there regret should have gone left not right i i I what if you're not the one that stepped on
1: it your friend did because
0: you weren't there and you should yeah what happens? but it will be
1: an emotion the actual the actual yeah. thing and i will get to the point with a client where and and it's different for everybody and i'm you know i'm not brutal i'm but there'll come a point where i can see the clients in a loop and yeah. they're just i've lost my leg this happened i feel this and they're stuck that they're, they're stuck they've come to see a therapist because they don't want to be stuck my job is to move them on and gently so there will come a point where i'll say we can't we can't change that so what is the emotion the overall emotion or belief that you have right now that's keeping you stuck in that story and making you believe that you can't move forward. And it might It'll be guilt, shame. It could be a myriad of things. That's what I work on. Yeah. Not the loss of the leg, not the event, because I can't change that.
0: But it, it's something we might go long back. Why did they sign up into the army in the first place? There's a whole, and you could go back all okay. over the places. Exactly.
1: But using the scenario that we started with, with you and your grandma, again, I wouldn't focus on the Alzheimer's or dementia. I'd focus on what that actually meant to you.
0: Yeah. As might a, find those individual. points in that like timeline. Because that's
1: the bit that's really hurting you. Yeah. And all you need to do is think of Vimpo and remember the clock. And-
0: yeah, I can still, as you said, I'm very visual. I can, I'm back there. I can see the carpet.
1: So no one's taking it away from me. No. What a lovely thing. I still love that. i still love to have that.
0: But it's interesting because trauma, you do think of the big ones, you yeah. think of. But in some ways, a trauma is a really strong negative memory.
2: Is that, or is that, it's, it's things a, which stick a, a in trauma, your mind.
1: Trauma is an event Yep. that I've, uh, and, uh you, you know, it's so many different definitions. I have an event you're directly involved in or that you witnessed. So then you have, what about the guys that, and again, I can, I can use me for this. I remember that I live where I lived once. There was a, an old chap and old couple next door and, and I kind of kept an eye on them. They kept an eye on me and, uh, I used to, be writing my books so I'd be sat at the window looking out and I'd see the old chap and every day at ten o'clock he'd wander up the garden to feed his pigeon. Half an hour later he'd wander back and he's while he was doing that she'd miss his gone shopping or whatever. And I sat there having me a cup of tea off he went. And I was immersed in what I was writing and I looked up and I thought, I haven't seen him walk back. I well, must have done. You know he got that nagging down. I thought, oh, I'll give a cup of tea anyway, i make him make me a cup of tea. So I went knocked on the door, no answer. I had a key, no one I thought, hey, I can still up the baseball fallen asleep. I walked up there and he's lying dead. I'd never seen a dead body before. My instinct was, I've seen it on TV, keep pumping his heart, it'll be alright. So I was doing that and phoning the ambulance. I was so grown up because I got into fight or flight mode and the ambulance crew pulled me off in the end. Been dead for ages. But that stuck in my mind. Now, what was it? And again, because I'm a therapist I can do this. What was it? Was it the dead body? Was it the old man who I kinda loved a lot? What was it? The emotion that caused me the most problem after that was. Just like that. Jesus, that could be me. That could be anyone. It could be my mum. It could be. That's the emotion that I took away from that traumatic event. Now, a therapist that didn't necessarily work in the way I'd need them to pulled that one back. My I spent a lot of time talking about how I felt about seeing the dead body and, you know, the fact that he was dead and that I couldn't save him. They're, they're, what they might have felt in that situation and completely not helped me because they didn't get to what it was that I took away from that that affected me afterwards. And it was, blimey, life's that delicate. Yeah. That frightened the life out of me. That was traumatic for me. Not him dropping dead, but the learning I took from it. And I, think, I think for
0: some children, if a grandparent dies, it's just Absolutely. gone with no... present. Absolutely. You look at everyone else in your family. This could happen to all of you at any moment. Yeah, you're all old. And that's kind of to them, you are. The trauma isn't the dying. The trauma is all the bits that anyone could go and that realization. And yeah, it's it's really yeah. Trauma is really weird. As um again, I say talk about trauma, and I think of memories. And because I've not, I'm very lucky. I've not had huge traumas. It's I've heard stories, but often it's always after. So again, I've not witnessed. Um, but but I remember,
1: you, you say you probably have been through things that probably the thing the rest going, of us would say I mean that was traumatic, but you you again your but, perception of it was different. But I'm literally going
0: well, it's not that serious, so I downplay it. It's but like it a might, bit
1: might be to So else.
0: a story which um, is uh, this was it sounds like a really fun day is a uh, Christmas fair local school my children went to and he did a Santa. I was literally going. I'm in my thirties. I'm miles too young to play Santa, but I got roped in. I was Santa. I had an absolute blast. My daughters came in. Being, they reckoned, they almost like didn't recognize they saw Santa. They didn't see me. They saw Santa. And that was a whole, that's amazing. Literally, I'm talking to my daughter. She saw me put the suit on and she's sitting there and she's wide-eyed going, oh, it's Santa. And he knows my name and he knows I've got a cat. I'm going, really? So, yeah, that was quite fascinating. But, I also knew their friends and I knew, oh, you've got a little brother, you've got a big sister. So that was lots of fun. And kids I didn't know, we have elves from year six. So they were able to go, oh, this is blah, blah, he's in year five, he's got a younger brother, he's just got a dog. So I was able to, even children I didn't know, have information about them and they were going. going, it was great, I was
2: having a whale of a time. The last child came in. I was literally like, this is great, I'm gonna do this every year. What do you want for Christmas? my mummy and daddy to stay together. And then she burst into tears. I was not ready for that. Who is?
0: Christmas is an amazing time for me. No real negativity. And I literally, this just hit me. And I was just like, I'm not supposed to touch you. <laughs> what do you do? I'm like, I remember. And I said, I, like, I don't care. I'm giving you a hug. And she, and she cried. And then one of the elves, I was like, ran and got the mum and she's gone, oh she's completely um and this is the thing she overheard something and
2: she's misunderstood it that's created an emotion
3: yeah
2: and the perception of it and everything so what actually may
0: have happened what but yeah so that again in some ways it's really stuck in my memory. I don't think it was a traumatic experience for me. I don't know. But seeing it for her and how that was at Christmas, you're seeing Santa. Everything going else, you know, every other children asking for this, that and this. Her biggest thing was, I want my mum and dad to
2: stay together. And she left, she walked out and I burst into tears. I was gone. I just sat there for like an hour, empty. Realisation that Christmas isn't, you see Christmas
0: is always happy for everyone and you see it on an advert and you see it. But this was, for me, that was quite close.
1: That was, wow and and you know we're talking about different types of trauma but a massive one is parents splitting Um, a loss of a parent parent splitting and the number of little ones that i have that then we have attachment issues we have all this sort of stuff going on and everyone says oh it's because me and dad have split up and and everybody believes that must be true because we're all older and wiser and that must be what's upsetting this poor little girl yeah but when you talk to her, and again, you just make it age appropriate, but pretty much what I did with you at the start of this, by asking those questions and not focusing on the fact mum and dad have, have, have breast broken up, you can actually drill down what does that actually mean. And I remember one young lass, and mum asked me to speak to her because she hadn't been going to school. She was crying all the time. She was off of food. And she said it was because, um, well, it's because my husband died. I know what this is. And, you know, we've talked about it, but there's no moving her on. And I'm like, I don't know if you want me to try and have a go. So anyway, I've got little and in and chatting away to her, just building rapport, getting to know
2: a bit about her. And I said, uh, so mum says, not as happy as you could be right now. And I went. so what would you
1: say is going on with you right now? She said, I'm just upset all the time and I'm crying all the time and I want to hide in my room. I said. What's making you want to do that? Really sad. And I didn't say, "Oh, what?" Because you've lost your dad. You know, everybody dies; they go to heaven or whatever your religion. I didn't go off on one.
3: No. Nope. Hey, that's.
1: I've not lost mine. What's that like? And she said it's pretty horrible, but he was ill, so he's better now because he's gone to heaven. And I thought interesting. Yep. So I said, "Right, yeah, that's a lovely thing. I like that." And I asked her what she thought heaven was like, just to embed that yeah. memory in her so that she could have grandma's clock rigging or the vimto, yep. she hang on to that memory of dad because you'd do that whatever you can. And I said, yeah, so what is it that's making you so sad at the moment then? And she said, I can't play hockey. Why, why can't you play hockey? And <laughs> what it was was when dad was around, mum and dad had a house in this village, and the little kid was a little bit awkward. One of these socially doesn't fit in types. Um, not many friends, and it was sports day, and they were playing hockey, and somebody has to stand in goal. It used to be me, I hated it. <laughs> um So this kid got shoved in goal because she's not good at sport, and she was brilliant at it. She was more than brilliant at it, and all of a sudden, all the in-crown girls that were in the hockey team loved her because she was a really good goalkeeper, and she was winning games for them. So all of a sudden, she had these new friends and. She was someone and she mattered. And, you know, they sat with her at lunchtime and she got invited out to places. And When Dad died, Mum couldn't keep up the, the, the house, so they had to move. And they moved to school where they didn't play hockey and Mum didn't drive to get her back to the other school. So what the little one had lost was huge. Yeah. But everybody presumed it was about Dad. So I said, so what could we do about this? She went, well, I don't know. I think there's a hockey team in the next village. I said, "Could could Mummy get you there?" And she went, "Yeah, Mummy could get me there. We've got a car, but it's not. But she could get me there." I said, "So, what do you think we should do?" At no point did I tell her. She said, "Well, no, we can't tell Mummy. Why? Why can't we tell Mummy?" And she said, "Because Mummy will think herself, because everyone's upset about Daddy." Yeah. So we can't presume. The event is one thing, but the thing that's causing the problem going forward is the belief or the emotion you attach to it. And
0: and also that belief, however, really the,
1: help you through that.
0: The, so, she yes, yeah, that belief of I'm being selfish, yeah. and because so you sit seven there, seven year old
1: protecting a mum,
0: yeah, because <laughs> you're you're sitting there, you've got this horrible thing you've gone through, and you go, I should be feeling like this. Why am I not feeling like this? I'm a horrible person. I'm dead inside. I'm. You sit there and go, I should be. Everyone else is. Why aren't I?
3: And it's.
1: No, that didn't cross her mind. She just knew that she. Because everybody else was feeling that way, she probably should, so that made her a bad person. Yeah. But being away from her hockey friends was a bigger deal for her because that's all she had.
0: Because she knew he was ill. she was grieving She knew he was ill.
1: Yeah, she was quite matter-of-fact about it. And and in her young mind, he'd gone to heaven. He wasn't in pain anymore. Somebody had had done a really good job of making it okay with her perception at that age. I remember another little lad. He'd been in therapy for blimmin' months and months and months and months. Granddad had died. And, you know, post-traumatic stress, he was in therapy, he was crying all the time, he was getting these really bad chest pains, and they tried everything. They were getting to the point of medication, and mum said, look, before we do this, Ali, can you try
2: So I sat down with the little fella, and I said, what's going on? And dad died. Yeah, I heard, mate. Yeah, yeah. And he went. He said he'd
1: never leave me. I thought, oh, blimey, how do you do with this one, Ali? What you do is you don't work too hard. And I went, right, okay. And What's that making you feel?
2: Well, it makes my chest hurt. I was getting chest pains. It makes me cry. Okay. I said, uh, when when, when does
1: your chest hurt and when do you cry the most? He said, at night when I'm asleep or trying to go to sleep. That's interesting. I wonder why it hurts worse then. And he said, because that's when I'm thinking about Grandad. And he said he'd never leave me. And I could talk to him always. And I talk to him and he doesn't reply to me. Well, I was i'm never going to dig my way out of this one this poor little fella so i said tell me a bit about granddad thank you lord and he said uh, that granddad was i think he was from jamaica or something and his english wasn't that great but he giggled a lot and he was a good cook. he was telling me all these things about granddad and this guy sounded amazing and i just fortunately had a moment of inspiration i said your granddad's really clever isn't he and he went why and i said well, you just said he speaks another language and doesn't speak much English and you don't speak much of his language. So there'd be no point in him talking to you every night, would there? Because you wouldn't understand. So what he's doing he's making your heart feel all happy to let you know he's there. So I changed the pain to happy because it's stress. This kid just lit up, hugged me so tight and just went away with his hand on his chest. Dealt with. Kids of that black and white dealt with. He was quite happy. Granddad was still communicating with him you could argue was i right to do that you know is that within the religious realms did it matter at that point that allowed that child to deal with the fact that granddad hadn't left and let him move on and it okay he was a little bit older i would have dealt with it differently again granddad's gone yeah yeah what's hurting him is granddad promised to keep talking to him communicating yep so it's don't focus on the event unfortunately bloody hell i wish we could time travel but we can't change
0: we as children, you think literally. So when dad's going to communicate, you expect it a voice. Yeah. He'll always be with you. I can't see him. He's a very literal thing. What you realize is you go out somewhere and you go, mum would have loved this. That's her speaking to you. Yeah. That's what I, find. yeah, it's not literal. It's like, like, and I say to my wife, I go, what would your mum would have done on this holiday? And, and just constantly talking about them keeps them with you. And that's yeah. the thing. And there's a the thing, it was one of those, Stupid Facebook things. It's like, be nice to your siblings because when your parents are gone, they'll be the only person who remembers how mental your parents are. <laughs> Just think, you'll sit there and you go, do you remember No one else will have that information. And that's the thing. It's the memories live on by you talking about.
1: And I guess we're back to what we are talking about in a previous con- um, podcast about control, and I mentioned the three circles of control. You can't bring them back. That's the outside circle. So what can you do? and and you work on what you can do to move forward and and again taking it back to whatever the reason for the the PTSD can't change the event we can change the emotion you've attached because it's the emotion that you've attached that's directing your life and writing your life story right now yeah and you know it's not for me to say look get over yourself come on it's happened that's not for me to do because some people need to stay there some people just need to and i need to respect that too Obviously, I want them to move off. Obviously, I want them to live, love. But that's my model of the world again. So I could, I could infect the room with my positive model of the world as well as my judgmental yeah. one. So sometimes I just have to accept that, no, this person wants to just stay in that memory. They're not ready to move. And that's okay. That's more than okay. The only person that's a problem for is other people that don't know, need to know how to deal with it. Well, they need to sort that out themselves. He's a, yeah. He or she is allowed to feel what they feel. But, again, you know, and, and there's so many different therapies that are really, really effective. Um, EDMR, um, it disassociates and, and desensitizes the memory. It's really powerful. But the most powerful thing, and we have really high success rates with, and by success rates, I don't mean what I think is successful for a person. I mean a client saying, thank you, I've moved on, or yep. I can do this now. They, they gauge their own success. I don't. It's not about me. It's about them. It's about empowerment, and it's really, really lovely when you get to that point where you can have that conversation. Say, look, you know, you want to stay here. I'm not going to push where you need to be. <laughs> it's just, that's a really stupid thing to do. I'm actually putting my hand in the circle right now. So, Makes so, sense to me. A circle loop at loop <laughs> story you're telling yourself. But ultimately, came to a therapist. What made you come here? i, I want to get move out forward. Of right so now let's we've looked at what happened now let's look at what you're and take responsibility for this you're allowing yourself to think and feel that's keeping you trapped right now because if we go back to the lady i spoke about in the beginning that guy's not still abusing her he's not causing her not to hold a relationship down and all that stuff he's not causing these emotions in her she is and it's a hard one to swallow
3: yeah but
1: she's allowing herself to feel them and i I have a saying, and it is a hard one to say, follow, but no one can make you think or feel anything you don't allow yourself to. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to. you want to stay lost in something, absolutely. It's absolutely your choice. But just recognize that you are allowing yourself to, because the moment you recognize that, then at least you've got choice. Yes.
0: problem is children don't understand that. We've got to try and help them understand it. And when you look back at your life, and you understand it in your life, but you've got to also, as you said, understand that at that time you wouldn't have understood that.
1: No, but you just you just word it differently. Everything that we do, everybody thinks that the, our model, the only model, is just for children. It's not. We work with every we work for families. We work with families because you've got to work the whole family to change something. But the model and our concepts and our ideals behind the way that we deliver therapy don't change. Just the way that I would verbalize it or communicate it might. So with a child, I wouldn't sit there and say, well, here's the thing. Okay, post-traumatic stress. This is an event that happened, and what's happening now is you've carried forward emotions and beliefs and limiting beliefs that are affecting the judgments and the decisions you're making in your life going forward. I wouldn't do that to a seven-year-old. No. I just go, shame we haven't got a time machine. If we had a time machine, we could go back and maybe we could have made it different. But we haven't got one. No one's got one, so we can't do that. So if we can't do that, what could we do?
2: Oh, I miss him. Okay. How could you not miss him as much? Think about that clock, or drink something, or do something we used to do together, or it's yeah. always a way. So, thank you for coming on the show today, Alison.
0: So, um this was our podcast on trauma. We have previously recorded one on grief, haven't we? We have. So, uh and is a, a bit of overlap between those.
1: Grief is trauma, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it is. If you haven't listened to the grief podcast, go listen. To that one as well. Um thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe by going to our website, which is www.thesendcast.com And if you're one of the social people who love social media, you can follow us on Twitter at the Sendcast and on Facebook and Instagram, we are the Sencast. And if you want to get in touch, let us know your thoughts, suggest topics, or anything else, please send an email to hello at the If you have enjoyed the Sendcast, why not look into the virtual send conferences? These, like the Sencast are run by B squared, but it covers all aspects of SEN. And what makes the conference different is it's accessed across the internet. We started these a number of years ago before COVID. Um, we run the conference every year in May, and each uh, event has 12 highly valuable sessions designed to help you in the classroom, something you can implement. Um, you can buy tickets for future or past events. The videos are always available. You can build up a really big library of on demand CPD. And the cost for each conference is £60, and this covers the entire school, not per person. As a listener to the Cast, we're offering a 10% discount just using the code Sendcast 10 There's no spaces in there. But thank you for listening. We'll be back with another, next week with another episode of the Sendcast, and this is goodbye from me.
1: Thank you for having me. Take
0: care. Bye, everyone.